This is Ben McKenzie, and you're listening to Five Questions with Dan Chabelle. You're listening to the Five Questions podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Chabelle. In fewer than 10 minutes, my goal is to extract the best advice from the world's smartest and most interesting people by asking them just five questions. My guest today is actor and author Ben McKenzie. Ben is best known for his starring TV role on The O.C. and Gotham. More recently, he wrote Easy Money, Cryptocurrency, Casino Capitalism, and the Golden Age of Fraud. We talk about his career progression and new book during this episode. Ben, welcome to Five Questions. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Dan. What was it like growing up with two younger brothers who were also actors? Competitive. It was interesting. I grew up in Austin, Texas, quite a ways from Hollywood. My father is a lawyer. My mother is a poet. So we grew up in a house full of words and arguments around the dinner table. We discussed all sorts of things. I can really imagine it, like having actors getting auditions. And if you're not getting auditions or they're getting big parts, you're like, why didn't I? I need to get bigger parts. And maybe it maybe it drove you too. It might have. Ironically enough, my middle brother, Nate, is the better actor of the group, but he now does fancy stuff. He uh, speaks Russian and works for Freedom House, which is a group that does democracy and human rights promotion all over the world. So he rightly figured out that there are other things that can animate you. And, you know, it was it was a wonderful household in Austin, Texas, where I grew up is, you know, known for having a sort of a vibrant arts scene and arts music culture and very grateful for having grown up there. How were you able to handle the change from crashing on the floor of your friend's apartment to being an overnight success with the OC? Well, I handled it at the time by upgrading my car that I had bought for $500 in the Penny Saver, a 1986 Cadillac DeVille with 228,000 miles on it. This was 2003. I upgraded that car to a new car and took a picture of the two of them next to each other. And that was my sort of way of announcing to myself that I had I had made it. I now had a car with functional air conditioning, which is a fairly important feature to have in Southern California. It, it, it was it was quite a, it was quite a change. It was quite a change. Well, it's also reflective. It's like, yeah, this is where I come and you know, you'll always have that picture and it took a lot to get there. <laughs> well, yes and no, it did. I mean, at the time, it felt like the first year that I was in Los Angeles, 2002 to 2003, really felt like the longest year of my life. I knew no no one other than this friend who had allowed me, really friend of my uncle, who had allowed me to crash on his floor. I was taking acting classes, trying to you know improve my uh, technique, but finding very little success. No one really wanted to hire me. No one really wanted to hang out with me. And then I think I was so angry and lonely that this part of a young kid from the wrong side of the tracks, Ryan Atwood, came up. And I I think in some ways it was perfect for me because I had a pretty big chip on my shoulder and so did the character. I find that a lot of successful people at some point, especially when they're younger, have a chip on their shoulder. Why did you shift your focus from acting to being an author and critic of cryptocurrency? Boredom. It was COVID. The entertainment industry was on ice and I had an enormous amount of time on my hands. I was watching the markets first go down and then come up wildly. And I was initially just sort of intrigued as to what was going on. I have a degree in economics, uh, some 20 years old. So I dusted that off and I started to just try to understand where we were. And it, it felt relatively quickly that we were in a bubble born of easy money times that had first started in response to the subprime crisis in 2008 and, and were initially intended as a temporary measure, but for political and economic reasons had not, the easy money had never really gone away. And then as COVID hit and the powers that be freaked out, the easy money 
you know, went through the roof and $5 trillion was put into the US economy. So when I started paying attention to it in 2021, everything was kind of going haywire, uh, not just the markets, but of course, this was the era of meme stocks and cryptocurrency and NFTs. At the same time that I started paying attention to the markets, a friend of mine came, came to me and said I should buy some Bitcoin. And my friend Dave has been a friend for a very long time, but he had previously given me terrible financial advice and encouraged me to invest in a company that had supposedly produced synthetic blood. And uh, we were going to make a fortune. And this was when I was in my 20s. And I invested some money, promptly lost most of that money, as did he. When Dave came back to me some 20 years later, 15 years later, I... Uh, I was intrigued, but perhaps not for the reasons that he intended. And so I went down a rabbit hole that started really just with the word currency. Of course, I'm a storyteller and words are tools and they can be used for a variety of purposes. But I knew my econ degree was 20 years old, but I was pretty sure that one of the things you could do with the currency, with money, is buy stuff. And that's not what people were using crypto for. They were trading it and trying to, to make more money off of it. But that that's an investment, not a currency. So it actually started with that word and then it quickly... Uh, I don't know if it's escalated or devolved from there. I, I, I went down a rabbit hole and ended up on the other side thinking, this feels like at best a speculative bubble and at worst uh, a speculative bubble predicated on fraud. And if it is the latter, that's potentially the largest Ponzi scheme in history. And it felt like I needed to do something about it. So I reached out to a journalist and pitched him on writing a book. And we spent the last two years um, researching and investigating uh, the industry. Now a word from our sponsor. Having trouble hiring, retaining, and developing your workforce? iSolved is here to help. iSolved People Cloud is a comprehensive human capital management solution that helps you employ, enable, and empower your workforce throughout the entire employment lifecycle. From attracting and recruiting, to onboarding and compliance, from payroll and benefits to time and labor management, and from talent management to predictive people analytics. Transform your employee experience for a better today and a better tomorrow with iSolved. For more information, go to iSolvedHCM.com. What should people take away from reading your book, especially in today's economy? I think people should take away the fact that this entire experience, the last 15 years from 2008 to 2023, may well be, when we look back on it in even just a few years, a really unusual period in economic history where a bubble that started prior to the subprime crash, then of course crashed, but because it was potentially so devastating to our economy and the global economy, it was we bailed bailed the system out. We 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 sort of ended up reinflating it and inflating it even bigger uh, in reaction to COVID. There's no such thing as a free lunch. I mean, at the end of the day, that bill does eventually come due. I'm not saying it's all going to crash and it's going to be the Great Depression again. I'm just saying that we've sort of kept postponing a certain, I would argue, kind of reckoning that I think may well be in order. I can't predict the future, but I think uh, we're sort of acting as though we're out of the woods here. I, I don't think it's anywhere near that clear if history is any guide. I think that's a really good summary. And obviously the future is unknown, but it was such a bubble and now we're still feeling it and we'll probably continue to feel it for some time until maybe there's more corrections. But I think that's a really good analysis, especially leveraging your economics background to kind of view it from your perspective. And what's your best piece of career advice? Don't allow others to define you. You are who you are. You are not the things you do. You are not the results of the things you do. You are you. And there is no one else like you. As cliche as it may sound, you are unique. You are a unique snowflake. And so follow what interests you. Don't be afraid to try new things, but also to drop new things. 
giving up is incredibly valuable because it allows you to try something else. You don't need to hold on to things just because you think it's important for some other person who is judging you on it. I've learned far more from my failures than I have from my successes. And this book has been such a great example of that, um, trying new things and not being afraid to fail. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, Ben. To follow his journey, you can read Easy Money and find him on Instagram and Twitter where he shares his family, travels, and appearances. To watch the full extended video version of this episode, go to youtube.com slash danshawbell and please remember to rate and review the five questions podcast on itunes